Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Episode 2 of Yellow Jackets Edible Complex is over, but we are just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps. It's the Yellow Jackets podcast on Post Show Recaps. We will be here every week recapping every episode of Season 2 as soon as it hits streaming and on demand on Fridays. You can get commercial-free versions of this podcast when you sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps at any level. That's patreon.com slash postshowrecaps at any level for ad-free versions of the Yellow Jackets podcasts. You can also make sure you're subscribed to all the amazing coverage of Post Show Recaps by visiting postshowrecaps.com slash subscribe. I'm Jess Sterling, and today we are discussing Yellow Jackets Season 2, Episode 2, Edible Complex. I'm here with someone who you may think was not on the podcast last week, but he was here. He just had a purple edit. Josh Wiggler. Um, Actually, Jess, it's Heliotrope. There was a Heliotrope <laughs> edit that I had mm-hmm. last time around. Yeah, the healing properties of the Heliotrope. Oh my gosh. Well, I will need some of the healing properties of the heliotrope to help me recover <laughs> from what I just watched here on Yellow Jacket season two, episode two. Blah. That's my review. Yeah. My review is no. Yeah. It's and all yet, bad. Yes. <laughs> it is all bad. Like all bad things are happening. And yet I am just, in fa- I, I just can't help. I love the show. It's, it's like great. It's, it's firing on every cylinder. It's it's been really really fun. Uh, I was sad to miss the recap last week. I'm thrilled to to be back here with you, Jess. We'll have Grace is not with us on on this one. She's going to be joining Latanya and I for the Versus podcast this coming week. So Grace will definitely get a chance to to give her Yellow Jackets episode two thoughts. So this is a big one that you want to be able to give your thoughts on for sure. I'm really really excited to to get uh Jace uh to get Grace on the on the feedback show because this was. Sort of like the one we've been waiting for. Yeah, I guess so, right? When we t- when we knew episode one of season one on the premiere episode of the show that there was cannibalism involved, um, I, I think like you get a, a you get a, an amuse bouche of it uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Shauna yeah. eating Jackie's ear. Yeah, but we are full on cannibalism territory by the end of this episode, and it's fascinating because I think. Josh, a lot of what people had theorized was going to happen is, oh, Shauna is going to feed the rest of the team Jackie and they won't know it. Like secret Jackie? Yeah, like, secret, yeah it's like, secret Jackie. It's like, it's like you don't want to think too hard about what's in your chicken McNuggets. Exactly. And yeah. they wouldn't know it because she's they the gonna one be who's like controlling. They were going to be like Jackie McNuggets is what <laughs> she was going to feed them. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, a lot of people thought, oh, they won't know it because she's in charge of like getting the meat for the meals and everything. Um, but no, uh, what ends up happening is very different. And I got to say, Josh, like, uh, I applaud the way that they shot that final scene because it is really gross to have to watch that on our television screens. 
But the way they did it with it intercut with like this really beautiful kind of Greek looking mm-hmm. um, a dinner table. It made me feel like um, I was among like, uh, uh, like, uh, was it, is it Theseus or is it uh, Oberon? Oberon and his fairies in Midsummer Night's Dream. Like I felt like I was back with all, I was Puck in the high school production of Midsummer Night's Dream. It really is not, <laughs> not that big brag. of a deal. If we podcasters have offended, uh, but it really felt like that. Like it felt like here I am in the thick of a forest. I mm-hmm. have like eyes on like sort of this extravagant wonderlandian type of deal and then it's intercut with all of the actualities of what's happening as we're having like barbecued jackie for dinner and meanwhile i'm coach ben puking my guts out in the back uh just having a hard time watching everything go down but i i do think true to yellow jackets form it was very uh like it was very pulpy and very savage, but also with a lot of personality, with a lot of that Yellow Jackets personality and just the visual yeah. flourishes that the show does so well. So I think that they did a really good job of depicting the cannibalism uh, sentence reserved no, I do for too. Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I do too. And I think part of it is that um, some shows will be gratuitous for gratuitous's sake, yeah. right? I know, like, I would point to like House of the Dragon in terms of their first season, sometimes doing things that I felt like were over the top just so that they could. The show feels like it was taking a lot of care with that scene. And as uh, difficult as it was to watch, I think they, they could have made it a lot harder to watch than they did. And I, I really loved how it was depicted, uh, despite the fact that it is so gruesome and difficult to have to sit and watch all of that happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's yeah. not even like, that's not even the only bad thing that happens. No, this was an episode that was loaded with bad things. Horrible, horrible things happened here. And yet it's so good. Uh, we love to see it. So I don't, you want to do a quick plot recap? Tell everybody what happened in this episode of Yellow Jacket season two. Yes. Uh, season two, episode two, edible complex. Yes, that is edible, not edible. Taisa, who nearly sleepwalks her way off a cliff due to stress, discovers Shauna has been playing makeover with Jackie's corpse and decides enough is enough. They will cremate her body tonight. Meanwhile, Nat steals a pair of Javi's pants and makes Travis believe she found them in the wilderness and that Javi is gone. Lottie doesn't believe it, but Travis seems to let his hope of Javi being alive die. Or does he? He has visions of Lottie as him and Nat consummate their relationship. In the present day, Misty hears from her citizen detective frenemy, who offers to help her find Nat. Real detective Kevin Tan is investigating Adam's disappearance, which of course leads him to Shauna. Callie both helps and hurts as she interrupts the conversation, but she also reveals her mother's affair to a stranger at a bar who turns out to be a rookie cop. Cult leader Lottie tells Nat the story of Travis's death. He hoisted himself up on the crane, hoping to confront darkness by getting as close to death as possible. Lottie was responsible for operating the crane once he went unconscious, but buttons stick and she gets distracted by a zombified-looking Laura Lee, and Travis dies. Nat doesn't believe her and vows to take her down. Ty is caffeinating herself around the clock to avoid sleeping, which causes her to hallucinate, and she believes Sammy has come to visit her. When Simone arrives to pick him up, he's gone, and while in the car looking for him, Simone finds out Sammy never left school. Thaisa gets that evil look in her eye, and they get T-boned when she runs a red light. And that's not the worst thing that happens this episode. Uh, Lottie gives Shauna Jackie's necklace, and they set the pyre ablaze. Snow falls on the pyre, allowing Jackie's body to be steamed-slash-cooked, which rouses the starving soccer team. Shauna says she wants us to, and everyone except a traumatized Coach Ben carves into Jackie's body and indulges. And that is what happened on Season 2, Episode 2 of Yellow Jackets. Yes, and I believe to that we say a bon appetit uh, (laughs) as everybody sinks in. Uh, Except Coach Ben, to your point. Do you think Coach Ben didn't eat uh, Jackie because he's like, I'm clearly next. Like, I'm so obviously next. Like, I feel like the the end of Episode 2, my takeaway from this is, all right, so now I'm officially on Barbecue Ben watch. I'm ready for them to turn <laughs> on Coach Ben. Uh, they're already missing one roast leg of Ben. They're not going to miss that second roast leg of Ben, Jess. I think I think for obvious reasons, he's next on the list. Number one, he is an outlier, both in terms of like he's not one of the kids, right? Uh, he is He's not going to be helping hunting or anything, being that he is missing a leg. And also... 
like he has the most meat on his bones in terms of being the biggest person out there. Um, so yeah, for a lot of reasons, feels like we should all be on barbecue Ben watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm nervous for him. Uh, but also at the same point, because we know about some of the people who get out of the wilderness and are going to survive into the, into the modern day. And many of them are the prominent characters of this timeline. We do have to start taking some shots at some of these people. Like it does just have to happen And I think Coach Ben has to be really high on that list of people who are going to go. And I think also um, someone like Coach Ben who can kind of moralize a bit on his way out the door, I think would be pretty important to the to the sort of like the, the narrative language of the show. So I thought that the choice to end on him sort of as like an audience surrogate almost of like, what are we doing what are we doing here at this point in time was it was a strong strong uh strong decision uh yeah yeah i also think it's going to be interesting to see what happens the morning after right like we're catching them middle of the night as they're feasting what is the reaction going to be in the morning of what did we do yeah it's a shame they don't really have anywhere to commute to because otherwise i would say like walk of shame is like putting (laughs) it lightly back to the cabin yeah (laughs) you know like it's like walk of shame up the stairs down the stairs there's not really Mm -hmm. too much further to go but i feel like i feel like the morning after is going to make the doom coming home uh hangover look pretty tame uh comparatively um i don't know what do you think do you feel like do you so i i was just talking with latanya about this on the versus podcast so i'm really excited to dig into it with her because like what do you think is going to happen first this thing on succession or full devolving into cannibalism on yellow jackets we're like this thing on succession for sure and here we are at the end of episode two full devolution into cannibalism territory but then i'm kind of like maybe feeling sort of stupid having this take where i'm like I mean, I don't think that they will get all the way right back here immediately. Like, no. I feel like there has to be like some sort of uh, some measure of them kind of reconciling what just happened before it escalates too much further past this point. I don't know, Jess, do you think that that's off base? No, I think that's spot on because I view this as almost like a, if, if we're going to equate this to a, like murder, right? Like the words we use, this felt, feels like a, a, a crime of passion. We're starving. There is a roasted body in front of us on a platter. We're going to eat it yeah. versus a planning to kill someone, making a ritual out of killing someone right and making a sacrifice to the wilderness all of those things i think come later especially when we look at the fact that okay we know they're out there for 19 months we know uh, based on what nat says this episode shauna is about seven months pregnant so we can kind of put our time stamp on like it's been at least seven months since the plane crashed so we still have 12 months to go uh, they can't eat everybody all the way. <laughs> like, the, can can they? Can't they? You know, <laughs> like, they can I, eat almost everybody. I do think based on what we've seen of like pit girl and all of that, it does feel very ritualistic that they're, they're doing this, especially when we think about the implications of the necklace and how the necklace comes into play. And the fact that uh, Lottie takes the necklace off of Jackie, puts it on Shauna. Are they going to put it on the girl? They're going to hunt for lack of a better word. Did they end up taking Jackie's clothes or not? No, I don't they think really so. probably should have. I mean, the jacket. No, the they, jacket. I mean, I mean Jack- Mari had jacket. a point. Mari like, was I'm not right. Hashtag her naked. I'm not yeah. saying strip her naked, but like a jacket in the wilderness in the winter. Come on now. That seems sensible. Are they not like they don't have like some sort of like like a sheet, like a crusty tarp. There's a gotta crusty, be like a crusty tarp. There's gotta be like some kind of crusty tarp. But in the, the problem attic. is, Josh, if they had used a crusty tarp, then it would have melted plastic all over Jackie's body. And like, you can't eat it. Well, let me say something. Maybe that wouldn't have been a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe justice for the the crusty tarp. tarp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so we have we have a lot of storylines here, Josh. Where where do you want to go? Where do you want to go first? Because there's a lot happening. I don't think I want to leave where we are. To be honest with you, I feel like this ending is is such an important milestone in the show, and I am so glad that it happens this early in season two because I think it leaves yes. us with a lot of runway with eight episodes still to go for the the re- remainder of the season. But I think like to maybe like start getting into it in a more localized way. All of this spins out because Shauna has been having a, let's call it inappropriate relationship with Jackie's body. 
yeah. that like she is continuing to go to the meat locker and have these conversations with Jackie the ghost. And Jackie the ghost is like really like uh, pejorative towards Shauna. She's like really egging her on and she's making her do weird things like put makeup on a corpse and all of that. And the uh, the airing of this, this, you know, this revelation that comes to light and Thaisa specifically calling it out. This is why we end up getting into the territory that we end up getting into. But something that we have to track and I'm like really leaning in and looking at this is this idea that Jackie wants us to eat her, that Jackie, the ghost is the one that tells Shauna, like, it's all right, just do this, just take it. And then she's like, you're the one holding the knife. So it's it's you know, it's this show is still kind of having its cake and eating it, too, with the idea of like, is this supernatural or is this just like sort of the depictions of what's going on internally with these people? Is this Shauna just like trying to justify what it is that she's, you know, sort of driving towards doing, whether it's for survival instincts or something else is off? I don't know. But the show is putting front and center the idea that some form of Jackie, whether it's Jackie as a spirit or Jackie as an excuse is driving the girls towards cannibalism. And that is very interesting to me, Jess, very interesting. Yeah. I I even would go so far as to say that Jackie's intention or excuse me, Shauna's intentions with, with Jackie's body and eating her are different than, than the other girls. I personally feel like they probably don't eat Jackie's body. If Shauna doesn't say, she wants us to. And I don't think I don't think Shauna makes that move um, at all unless she has this very, very specific relationship with Jackie. I think something I've been tracking, I know that other people have been tracking across both of these seasons is, um, is there more there than just a friendship between Jackie and Shauna, right? We've talked about like Jackie wanting or Shauna wanting to be Jackie. And right. is it is Shauna in love with uh, just uh, is she in love with Jeff or is she in love with the fact that Jackie is in love with Jeff and she wants to be Jackie and I felt like it was very explicit and over in this episode when Shauna is with Jackie in the or ghost Jackie in the shed and uh, Jackie says Jeff only had sex with you because I made you into someone else you only had sex with him so you could imagine you were me and when she cuts open her or when ghost Jackie cuts open her forearm she says you're hungry and food isn't what you're hungry for. Right. And to me, that means something very, very specific, right? Like we've talked about, oh, is Shauna consuming Jackie to be her, to be more like her, to be closer to her? I think that is Shauna's um, intent with all of this, whether or not she realizes it, is to be close to Jackie, to be one with Jackie. I think the other girls are uh, starving. They're very hungry. And they're given the go-ahead by Shauna when she says she would want it. Yeah, I think I think that there's definitely there's definitely some there there. I think also, though, like to then let's we have to like consider the prism of viewing this show as a full on supernatural series. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is to- is this like supernatural influence of, OK, the ritual of right. Jackie and is the Jackie ghost a real Right, because I, I'm, you know, you think you think back to the end of season one and sort of that, you know, that dream of Jackie's death and Jackie yeah. seeing Laura Lee and Jackie seeing that mysterious guy in the corners like there's it's a heck of a party over here. Welcome to the club. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about uh, what we learned about adult Travis in this episode, too, and how he talks uh, about like. When you were close to, I have to get close to death so I can confront the darkness. That there is, um, these can be metaphors, but I think we're doing a disservice if we're not evaluating the possibility of them being like actually valid things happening in the realistic universe of Yellow Jackets. Mm -hmm. So with, with that being said, I wonder like, does something happen out here where you get killed and your ghost turns into this horrible, sinister ghoul? Is this sort of to keep the lost comparisons going? Is this smoke monster adjacent where there is mm-hmm. some sort of malevolence that's out here in the wilderness that is pushing the yellow jackets towards doing the crazy things that they're doing? Uh, and if that's the case, then I feel like um, just, you know, Shauna doing this because she wants to get closer to Jackie, that she wants to become Jackie, rather than maybe Shauna is being manipulated by something and that, like, people like Lottie are being manipulated by something. I think that's really on on the table for me, especially with that 
the the way that it was shot, like the like the smoke monster POV flying from the cabin and up into yes. the brush and like pushing the, the snow, snow down. down. Yeah, like, and it's, it's a lot of yeah. It's like really smartly done because I think that there's a way where you can re- like look at that as like that was just like a natural occurrence versus like something just swooped out of the cabin and made that. Yeah. I'm especially uh, tracking. Obviously a lot of this has to do with Lottie, right? Like Lottie is like the central player. She is our John Locke, if you will. Um, A lot of the mysticism is uh, coming about around Lottie and because of Lottie. And I also think there's something there about maybe, maybe I'm like uh, looking too much into this, but like candles are always, involved when it comes to this like spooky crap that is happening Mm. in this wilderness right there's candles when travis has visions of the moss covered uh stump when lottie calms him down when he has a panic attack there are candles everywhere um when travis and nat are having sex and that is when this we're following the pov of maybe a monster when the snow falls i do think there's something there i i think i personally would like it if like maybe it's a blend of like yes part of this is because of Shauna and just and just her her relationship with Jackie and and uh, how she's coping with all of that and grief and all of that but also part of it is there's something about this wilderness right. that is affecting these individuals and and it's maybe also we could you know pivot a little bit to Taisa in terms of um it is causing her uh I know Marissa and I have been referring it to <laughs> we call Ty Ty and we call her alter Isa uh-huh. um so like her Isa is is uh coming out more i would call her dirt eye because she she gets <laughs> real down in dirt eye yeah um and so maybe it's yes of course stress is also going to bring it out but maybe there is something in this wilderness that is also kind of provoking that other version of taisa into into coming out more um and and kind of showing herself more because yeah. of the mysticism in this yeah. environment now, I know this isn't the Theory and Predictions podcast, and that mm-hmm. is still to come uh, when you do the deep dive into episode two with the aforementioned incredible Marissa Garza. But can I can I kick one uh, at, at you? So we, we're all out here wondering, who's the antler queen? Who's the antler queen? Where's the antler queen? I want to toss out something that I feel like you would have left season one and you wouldn't have thought about it at all because she died. But I feel like even after she's just been gorged upon and especially because she's been gorged upon potentially, I think that Jackie might be the antler queen. And I don't know if this is like the craziest thing I've ever said on a yellow jackets podcast, or if I'm on to something here, Jess, um, I, I think that the we cannot ignore the origin point or one of the origin points of Yellow Jackets is the classic literary work, Lord of the Flies. Yep. And the idea of those boys who get plane crashed onto an island and they go in search of uh, there, there's a beast on the island and we got to find it. And they find a pig and they kill the pig, slice its throat. They, they uh, like impale it on the head. It becomes the Lord of the Flies. It accumulates all the bugs. It's totally disgusting. And really what the beast ends up being is the evil and the savagery that dwells within the hearts of men. Um, and I feel like there is a world where when I say that Jackie is the antler queen, I guess that there is the world where like whatever this supernatural force that exists out there is the thing that I'm pointing my finger at. But I also think it could just be like Jackie as an excuse becomes sort of the antler queen and this idea of like she wanted us to do it she has compelled us to start eating people we have to do what jackie wants us to do that she sort of becomes like this martyr in a way and like this Mm -hmm. religious figure in a way and i think like this episode itself i wrote a bit about this on vanity fair already so this vanity fair article either is going to be up or it's going to be up uh it's either up or it's going to be up really soon uh but like we can't forget that like in this episode, Shauna is treating Jackie's body like a doll. She's like playing like, you know, she's putting makeup Press, on yeah. Jackie. Uh, I don't think it is, you know, it is not a huge leap for me as ghoulish as this is. Like whatever skeletal remains of Jackie are left over after this feast that you could imagine some sort of like totemic statue type of deal anointed with antlers turned into some sort of like thing that we pay tribute to. And in the same vein that in this episode, the show did us this courtesy of masking the cannibalism with this like ethereal forest feast as well, that that's both like maybe a courtesy to us, but also a reflection of the ways in which, much like on Lord of the Flies, that it became like a lot of like these horrible things that they were doing. They were kind of like envisioning as like 
play among kids that goes horribly wrong that like the doom coming was a lot like that of like imagination's gone wrong Mm -hmm. imagination's gone wild hallucinations there was definitely something in the soup that made them go that way but i think even in this scene if you if you arc your 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 view of it of it's not just like sort of like a stylistic choice to render the cannibalism this way but also a little bit of like how they themselves are like kind of justifying it and viewing it then the only time we'd ever seen the antler queen in person really is the series premiere of the whole show. Yep. And and that thing that we're seeing, uh, and I'm already calling it a thing, like that person that we're seeing in the first episode isn't really moving. That could just be like weekend at Bernie's Jackie with an antler queen helmet on. So I know Lottie's like the really obvious person to say is the antler queen, but I'm starting to wonder, is this going to be a thing where like, Jackie is the spirit that is moving through these people, these mm-hmm. vessels that Lottie is like a vessel for the antler queen, Shauna, Taisa, all these people end up being like disciples of the antler queen. And this antler queen is instead just like this excuse that's driving them towards going to these horrible lengths to survive in this situation. And as I wrote on vanity fair, then it means that, they're all the antler queen in a manner of speaking, Jess, and that the real antler queen was the friends we ate along the way. <laughs> I could totally see that being a thing, especially when you think about Lottie as our kind of um, religious figure, she's right? Like Simon in Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah, she's very much leaning in, and I could see them. I don't. I don't know that I would go so far as to say that uh, the the actual physical antler queen is a skeletal remains of Jackie. I still think that is a person but what i do think is that like when you think of the symbolic uh antler queen i could see her like this is this is a a turning point if you will there was before we ate jackie and after we ate jackie and i think you look at jackie as um i could see them having a ritual now where they in order for us to survive we have to make a sacrifice jackie was a sacrifice the wilderness right. demanded right, right, um, right. and and kind of I, I mean i would i would go so far as like okay we we put the skulls on a spike and we add a new one maybe once a month or however often they're doing this um and they right we we saw um lottie give a bear's heart to the wilderness I could see them paying homage to thank you, Jackie, for what you gave mm-hmm. us. Right. I could see all of that very clearly. And I don't think it's a mistake that what, especially what I'm really loving about season two is I felt like after season one, people were very firmly saying Lottie is our antler queen. It's very obvious. And I'm really loving the fact that it is not obvious at all at this point. And I think part of me even believes it even more now that we have the scene where Jackie's body is getting uh, about to be burned. And the three, in my opinion, the three main suspects for Antler Queen are all the ones standing in front of it. It's Lottie, it is Shauna, it is Taisa. And I think Taisa is a bit of a dark horse. However, when she is in her id form, when she is her Issa, there's no telling what's going to happen. She is very primal in that state. And I, I don't see how you can count her out as a suspect as well. And so I'm really loving what they're serving us in season two. That sounds mm, disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> But because I, I like living in this world where we get to speculate. And I know it's not for everybody. These mystery box shows, some people like answer sooner than others. But I feel like they're doing a know, really 2. good 3 job. 2.3 million viewers or whatever it was. Yeah. Can't be wrong, you know? Yeah. And so I'm really enjoying the fact that we don't necessarily know the answer to who, the question of who the antler queen is, but they're giving us a lot of different options. And I, and for that reason, I feel like any one of those answers could be very satisfying depending on how it plays out. Totally. So I, I really love where we went in this episode and I'm happy that we are in episode two people like yeah, this great. is soon. You yeah, know? It's, it's a good, it, like to get this Charlie day whiteboard about it this early on is fun. Very, very, very fun. Yeah. Um, should we get out of the wilderness for a little while? We've been in here for a minute. Yeah. There's a lot that happens in the modern day. We can come back. There's some there's some loose ends that we'll have to tie up uh, Natalie tie. style uh, <laughs> here in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Adam's disappearance. And is because I know this was a big storyline for us that like uh, the story of Adam in season one didn't necessarily work for everybody. I will say it was my least favorite storyline. How are you feeling now that we're involving the police? We're involving Kevin Tan, one of our season one characters. Right. Uh, we have a new character um, in this rookie detective cop who is speaking to Callie. How are you feeling about the storyline now? Um, I think that I am. It's it's a little tricky for me because miss me with adam right like i'm just like you know but i guess like adam's gone and so there's that um and i think that maybe it ends up being that season one's storyline where shauna is uh is having this relationship with adam that leads her to stab him and kill him and then all of the yellow jackets to rally and participate in this cover-up of his death that that has to happen to get us to what we are getting here in season two which is like a pretty harsh look at Shauna as an adult. Uh, And certainly the way that like this is, um, you know, impacting Callie is really forefront in this episode. And the fact that she ends up, uh, you know, being like pretty easily, um, you know, taken in by this not quite undercover cop at the bar. Uh, And so I think like having this storyline exist and then extend into season two, at first blush, I would think like, if you told me that going to season two, that Adam's disappearance was going to be this huge thing. I think I would, my knee jerk would be like, man, really? There isn't yeah. more to do right now. But I think when you, when you instead kind of view it as a means to examine how far gone Shauna is and just like the trauma that she carried out of the woods with her. And also that the Shauna who can do the things like lying off the cuff here, feeding hot dogs to her kid that have been barbecued with evidence of a person she killed. Uh, Like the fact that all of this is ongoing should not only be like, wow, Shauna has some serious damage, but maybe should leave you to wonder like, what kind of serious damage has Shauna done? Is this just Tuesday? Like, is this just like 2021 murder spree? Uh, Is this like not the first time? Uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm not hating it yet, but I think it's mostly because I'm really interested to see what it reveals to us about about Shauna, both as an adult and in her youth. I think that there's some some there there. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. I'm not minding the storyline as much now that Adam is dead. Uh-huh. Um, I think <laughs> I'm also not minding <laughs> it as much now that Kevin Tan is back. Uh, yeah, that's so, how I feel. Right. Yeah. If we're involving other characters in this storyline rather than it being so shauna on her own or shauna and jeff which jeff killing it by the way we didn't see him uh much this episode but uh jeff in episode one killed me he's an all-star yeah uh, yeah so i think that now that we are involving other characters um there is a possibility of shauna getting caught i don't know that i care much about how callie feels about the situation i gotta be honest uh (laughs) I, i didn't really care like 
and nothing against the actress or her portrayal of Callie. It's more of just, I want to stay with my yellow jackets. I don't need to, to venture out into their children and how they feel about things. But I do find it a little bit fascinating to see Shauna isn't bulletproof, right? Um, She d does develop a certain knack for lying and she's very smart, which Kevin does know. That's fascinating to point out that he is aware of how intelligent she is. Um, And so he says, we need to, we can't just bring her in here. We need to have more on her before we do that. Um, it's fascinating, but yeah, I, I think that this is still probably one of the least compelling storylines to me, but it's not, to me, it's not as bad as it was in season one where I'm actively annoyed that I'm watching it. I do find yeah. it a little bit fascinating. And I think it's interesting to, to dive more into Shauna's psyche and her relationship with Jeff as well. That part in episode one was the most compelling for me was how this is affecting Jeff and their relationship and what this means about the Shauna Jackie Jeff of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like it's hard to imagine how this storyline doesn't lead to Shauna getting caught without um, without undercover cop dying uh, yeah. and potentially bad things befalling Kevin Tan as well. And should bad things befall Kevin Tan, what does that do to Natalie? Right. You know, so like I think that there are ways in which yeah. this storyline and like it's a joke because I, I think Kevin Tan's great. I yeah, just really, I just really I really like Kevin Tan. Uh, and so there's that. But there's also like the actual, uh, you know, like narrative juice that is behind. OK, involve somebody who is sort of independently involved in this situation. He's involved via his vocation. He's the policeman. He has to investigate right. the murder, but involve him in the storyline. And now he's like at least a participant, you know, he is by being a participant, he is an at risk person on the show now. And he is somebody who, if the audience doesn't care, then I, you got to check your feelings folks. But if the audience doesn't care, then at least Natalie does. And so like another person on the, on the show who we are really invested in might have a conflicting agenda about this whole thing with Shauna. So it's just really good for the dramatic stakes. When I saw like Kevin Tan get roped back into it, I could see the line for like, how do you get Natalie involved in this? Right. How do you then maybe get Lottie involved? Because we learn in this episode that Lottie's had eyes on Natalie for a good little minute, which I would guess means Lottie might even know about what happened to Adam, Jess. Because uh, like Lottie's people were following Natalie so closely that they stopped her from, from uh, pulling the trigger back mm -hmm. in the season one finale. And that was the reason that they busted in and kidnapped her. Y'all didn't want to like bust in on the place where you they were just like butchering a body. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if we found out that Lottie wasn't just following um following Nat either, right? right? I could see her following a lot of the Yellow Jackets. We know she has resources. I think That's it's important to point deal. out yeah. not only wealthy, is she yes. the leader of a cult, but she had a she is from a very wealthy family, and yes. she was their sole child. So. I can imagine she is coming from a ton of wealth uh, and a ton of, you know, resources to be yes. able to track these people. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we found out Lottie was in the know about all of this uh, one way or another. Definitely not. And that maybe that could transition us a little bit into Nat and Lottie at the at the cult compound. Right. Um, which was really fun. Again, uh, I just, <laughs> I have to point out that literally anytime Juliette Lewis is on my screen, Something about the way she fully embodies Nat as a character, like her entire body goes into her performance, really does kill me. And I thought that they did a really wonderful job in this episode showing the kind of breadcrumbs of the, the issues between Nat and Lottie in the cabin in 1996, transferring out and, and spanning time yeah. over into present day between her and Lottie at the cult compound. I am really enjoying the dynamic between Juliette Lewis and Simone Kessel, uh, who's playing the adult Lottie. Yes. Um, because like they are, you've got like woo woo Lottie versus like queen of the cynics in Nat. And so there's just like this sort of, real dichotomy between the two of them not so dissimilar in that way from like natalie and misty having so much screen yeah. time together in season one but it's just a different vibe but it is also uh it's like you know it is in its own way polarly different from what natalie is all about uh so i i've really enjoyed it and i really appreciate that the that the episode 
we still don't know like what to think about about Lottie. Like I think that this episode gave some some reason for me to like back away from Lottie as like the supreme leader of this whole situation. She's yeah. the queen to be feared and all this stuff because she gets things wrong. She's also kind of petty in certain ways She's- that. Yes, yeah. she's not like a um I think when we when we know what we know of Lottie in 1996, she is very giving, she's very caring yes. and she she is a leader but she isn't doing so harshly. However, when she is ne- in the present time as a as her uh, the cult leader that she is, although she wouldn't call it a cult, right? Um it's so funny to me because Nat points out the hypocrisy of, oh, well, you have a Rolex, right? right. And like you have, um, we have the, we we get the girl again bringing her a smoothie, which has right, and she like snaps roots. at her for like the like the butterscotch scent or whatever. Yeah, you know? and she throw and she takes it and then she immediately throws it in the garbage. Right. So it, it, we can see, like you said, she is not this all powerful, all knowing um giving for she's petty right like you know like yeah. a lot of like the trappings of civilization have returned to this person who was sort of like you know if not antler queen of the wilderness then like a queen of the wilderness in her own right uh and so yeah. i think that that's fascinating that she is not like an infallible character and i'm like even looking beyond those observations what we find out about travis and what we learn about um his death in this episode is by her own admission, Lottie was there. Lottie was there. Travis was having a hard time. He reached out. They've been in touch. Uh, He's been having strange dreams. She tracks him down. She kind of like coaches him back to some measure of stability. He sneaks out. He wants to like be raised by the crane so that he can get close to death. She helps. Then she says, and then uh, the button didn't work. But that's not all that happened. And she doesn't tell Natalie all that. So that tells you like a couple of things. Thing one is that um, uh, she's either not fully in control of her powers and she doesn't want to admit it, or two, that she doesn't trust Natalie with the full truth of what's going on. But I think even beyond that, it shows um, Lottie is not above lying as well. Yeah. Uh, so like, there's like a potential like duplicity in Lottie that does feel really different from from the girl in the 1990s. Uh, so in like this yeah. way. She is in some ways, to me, the most different from her 1990s iteration than the rest of the adults that we've met, I think. Yeah, I could see that. I especially think it's interesting the way that the show framed the Travis and Lottie flashback. I thought it was interesting that they showed us it as well. And I I think for me, that gave it a little bit more uh, credibility in that this actually happened because we are seeing it right. happened. We are seeing Travis say those words. Maybe that's on me and I shouldn't be believing what I'm seeing. No, I'm but... with you. I'm with you on it. I think it would be pretty cheap not to like, th- there's really no reason to show us the difference between the stories and like show us something visually that she's not telling exactly. to Natalie. It's like, uh, there's a big twist in the first mission impossible where like uh, one of the characters is like, yeah, so this is the bad guy. And this is how the bad guy did this thing. This is how the bad guy did that thing. And Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is just not along being like, yeah, totally. But in Tom Cruise's head, he is realizing that the person who's telling him who the bad guy is, is actually the bad guy. Oh. And so like, he's playing out what he actually probably did. And he's figuring it out while the guy is telling him this, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like, it's sort of like that. Uh, where it's yeah. like, okay, well, we're seeing the truth. Um, Natalie's not receiving the truth. Lottie's not telling the full story, but I think that we're not, we're getting the full story from Lottie's perspective, at least is, is how I'm taking it. And if, uh, if you're a sucker for it, Jess, then so am I. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that I know a lot of people theorize myself included that, uh, we were eventually going to see Javi and that we wouldn't see him until present day. And he would be one of Lottie's followers. However, I think it's interesting that they're setting up on the show Lottie and Travis have become close and, and it's a result of him needing hope. He needs to yep. find hope somewhere to believe that Javi is alive. Lottie being the one to provide that hope, to provide something that is concrete, not concrete, but something to believe in something. If you drink this tea, you will be okay. You will be safe. And he's buying into it. And so I think that led, leads credence to, um, oh yeah, maybe he did reach out to her because Nat is a non-believer and he needs someone who is more in the mysticism realm versus someone who is as cynical as Nat is. It, it does. I, I like the way they had the parallel storylines here with 1996 and present day with Lottie and Nat and Travis, because I think it makes a lot of sense when, I mean, we got to talk about the elephant in the room of Nat 
lying to Travis, stealing some of Javi's pants, cutting open her own leg to put mm -hmm. blood on them and pretending like she found them in the woods to kind of, I understand why, right? Like it's, it's not a white lie, but it feels like a white lie of like a parent tells their kids to like protect them of he's going to kill himself looking for Javi. He's killing himself daily have with this hope that Javi is still alive. Nat doesn't think that's true. And so she does this to kind of get him off of that path of going out every single day yeah. from sunrise till sunset looking for him. All observable reality suggests that Javi is dead. And like Natalie, like, so if Lottie is John Locke, Natalie is Jack Shepard, right? Exactly, and so like, yeah. uh, you know, she, she is not buying any of this and she hasn't been, you know, she didn't really get it. She was not, she was not hype on the doom coming, you know, like, yeah. she was not psyched about everything that happened there. Uh, and so I think, you can really see it in like the in the 90s Natalie and the present day Natalie. Uh, this is like a really common thread that is so strong that it binds them through the decades of like they are not they, they see through your bullshit or at least what they believe to be your bullshit. Right. Yeah. They're not buying what you're selling. Uh, and I think Natalie is not like looking at the blood teas going out there and saving us. What's saving us is that we come back. We go back. We wear warm clothes yep. and we, we don't are the ones providing. Yeah. Like the, the wilderness isn't going to save us. The spirits aren't going to save us. The antler queen is not going to save us. We're going to save us. We're going to, and we're going to get ourselves mm -hmm. killed too. Uh, so I think that what she does for Travis in this moment is like a very, very hard thing. And uh, I cannot, um, I can't judge her for it at all. I think that she's, she's trying, trying to, to save, save his this life. guy's life when she yeah. is not as emotionally attached to like the idea of like Javi is gone. Not that she's like unemotional about it, but I think she's like Javi's gone. Um, she's looking at the real wor world facts. And I think that it just so happens that she's on yellow jackets and Javi's clearly alive in clearly, some way, shape clearly. or form, but like, yeah. you know, all other stuff like from Natalie's POV, it makes tons of sense. And I think that again, uh, credit to the structure and the pacing of the show that in season one, we know that Taisa has been helping Nat paying for her stints in rehab. They've kept in touch I think this makes a lot of sense when I think in season one, a lot of times when we were kind of making these comparisons to Lost and ca calling Lottie the John Locke and Taisa the Jack Shepard, I think Nat might be the Jack Shepard. And it makes even more sense to me that they would have kept in touch if they're both on the side of Lottie's banana pants. Lottie mm -hmm. is too much and she needs to stick to reality. I think it makes a lot of sense that they would be on the same team in that regard. So yeah, uh, Travis having a really, really tough time, um, but finally getting, I mean, some, in, in his mind, some sort of proof that Javi is not out there. Of course, Lottie says, no, I feel it. He's still right. alive. Um, and which, clearly as an adult, he's still sort of like torn between these two poles, right? Yes. Because we know that Natalie and Travis still cared about each other enough into their adulthood that, um, you know, Nat has talked about how like we were there for each other and we were in and out of all of this stuff together. But also per Lottie, Travis reached out to Lottie on the final night of his life. And I don't yeah. know how much that is like this has been a thing where they've been in touch or this is like sort yeah. of like a desperation. I have to reach out to Lottie, but at the very least something, you know, this curiosity that developed between Travis and Lottie um, out in the wilderness, this fixation or whatever it, this bond is between the two of them. It at least uh, was still alive on the very last night of, of Travis's life. He like yeah. ended up believing this stuff in a way that Natalie never did. So I'm curious to see how that gets reconciled in the 90s uh, mm -hmm. timeline. Let's shift gears a little bit. We got to get into Misty and uh, Mr. Elijah Wood. Who uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Turning the cast. the sick and forensics. <laughs> this, this, I, I kind of do love this because. Uh, I just want to know I, his name. I do think. I, uh, I, do I don't too. think I'm going to be able to keep calling him putting the sick and forensics. I just and call if him you don't Elijah want Wood. Me to just, if you don't want me to just call him Elijah Wood forever. Uh, name, yeah. Let's get his name soon, please. Yeah. But I can't. I, I honestly can't wait until we actually get. Christina Ricci and Elijah Wood bouncing off of each other in a scene yes. because I have missed the Misty and Nat back and forth. And I do think having Misty's own counterpart, right? Someone who is also interested in being a citizen detective, who is smart enough to suss out who she is, where she works, get access to it, right? I think it's going to be really, really fun getting him on the show. I'm a little sad like that. We're just, we're just getting like tiny whiffs of it, right? It's like the seltzer Ooh, of like, let's not, uh, <laughs> let's not talk about those tiny little whiffs. <laughs> 
That's how you start eating your fellow podcaster. It's not, okay? it's not enough to satisfy me, Josh. I need yes. I need more quenching. I get it. I get it. I do. But it is uh, still very fun, and I do I do like the uh, just like the, the invisible ink and like all just like sort of like the cute subterfuge. Like I I yeah. am enjoying it, and you know um, they're both like in like sort of like their uh, like bespectacled like internet commentary nerdery. That's a little stereotypical and tropey, but yeah. it's being wielded by two actors that within this genre specifically, like people really love and care about. Mm-hmm. So it is uh, it it is really great that. Um, you know, knowing that Elijah Wood was coming to the show, um, but not necessarily knowing how he would get involved to see that it's going to be like primarily at least enter- entering the scene through the Misty storyline. This is another reason to be grateful for Adam, because if not for Adam's uh, death and disappearance, he's not showing up. Uh, so I don't know what what's going to you know like keep him on the show beyond the Adam mystery. So there could well, still he be helped, like he did know, offer to help Misty find Nat. So I think we're all going to pull it back together with that, which I I very much look forward to. That'll be fun. I I look forward to that as well. Uh, So, so yeah, I I really like him being on the show and like Misty's little frustrations with like kind of like being like, it's like she's like finally met an equal. Met her match, yeah. Yeah, she's met her match. And I think that, uh, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to turn into. Are we going to be like shipping this thing? Oh, probably. Yeah, for sure. You know, like this like very awkward romance. Um inevitably misty is gonna kill elijah wood probably, probably. too right you know so yep. <laughs> uh i look forward to seeing how it all plays out but so far i am not disappointed with his contributions at all mm-hmm. it'll be really fun when we get to see them bounce off of each yes. other a bit yes uh let's round things out with ty and simone uh getting into this big car accident i mean yeah from the looks of it the t-bone affected simone's side of the vehicle so there's a possibility that she doesn't come back from this i was thinking that as well i hope not that would be so horrible um but i think that there's 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 reasons to think that that could be the case because the the like so how do you get sammy and ty back together right like quickly uh because simone is pretty ardent about like that's not happening and also you're sick and you need help and it's only episode two of season two of a show that will you know certainly in success and it's in success right now this is gonna be going on for a couple years uh yep which thank god uh great we love to hear it um but i think that's probably bad news for Thais's mental health journey, unfortunately. Um, and she's probably going to be in this for a little while. But how do you then, like, sort of believably get her back into Sammy's life on a day-to-day? Then either you kill or badly injure Simone. And it winds up in this in this way. And so that's all both very sad, but also really scary. And especially scary because... It almost feels like this is what Ty wanted. Like she, like once once she's realizing it's what a part of her wanted. Yeah, once she's realizing that. Okay, so are we on the same? Sammy was never there. Sammy never came. Oh, over. Sammy was definitely the problem. Is we see her. Uh, she's over caffeinating to stay yes. awake. She's afraid to go to sleep when Which, Simone like, I arrives. Felt seen. That was cool. Like <laughs> that's like my morning ritual also. When Simone arrives, the door is locked. Simone or uh, she's asleep. Ty is asleep on the on the counter. She has fallen asleep. So uh, yeah, she's certainly. Uh, I mean, right? You're gonna hallucinate if you don't sleep for long enough. So yeah. that's for sure. Uh, I think it's very interesting that I've been noticing that um, the actress's like eyes have been getting more red. I feel yeah. like they're putting color contacts in her. We have a scene where she's looking in the mirror at one point this episode and the, the reflection moves and stares at her. Uh, we see this, again, huge credit to the actress to like be able to, it's really hard when you're playing a character to show like small differences, small but meaningful differences in the composure um, but that look in her eyes before they get into that car accident yeah, is she so like obvious. Up. Yeah, it, it's like it, she's yeah. like realized this thing. And I can't tell if what we're seeing from from Tawny Cypress as Thaisa in that moment, are we seeing like the like is she like like furious to hear it? Is she just so tired and something else is taking over? Or are we for the first time seeing Thaisa as an adult? succumbing to that really destructive side of her is that uh isa yeah. as you like to say is that dirt yeah like is that think, who is showing up behind the wheel in that moment 
I think it's her. I think it's Issa being like, we cannot lose Sammy. She's going to take Sammy away from us forever. And I need to do something about it because Ty will not. And so she is taking over. And I think, um, I think a lot of it has to do with stress as we saw in 1996. It's the, at least what we think it's the stress of Shauna not being able to, to uh, stay away from the meat locker that Jackie is in that is causing Thaisa so much stress that she nearly walks off a cliff. I think, put a pin in that eyeless man that we saw in season one. He is back again. She's following him in the woods. This is a very eventful episode that this is, you know, like 50 minutes into the podcast. We're just talking about the eyeless guy. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I've been obsessed with this because I think eyes are super important, especially to the character of Thaisa. I feel like, again, her eyes are turning red. I feel like her eyes are the sole indicator. A lot of times for me to tell me what state she is in. Is she tired? Is she Issa? I think it's super important. She is following the eyeless man through the woods yeah. nearly to her death. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait to learn more about him. That is somebody mm-hmm. who I hope that we get some like real detail on here in, in season two, but it was, it was like a great reminder of like, don't forget this, this among all of your other deep concerns and troubling yeah. problems that you have here in the yellow jackets universe. There is this ghastly apparition missing eyes that is leading people off cliffs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. Um, but it's it's fascinating. And I think it it makes me wonder more and more what happened between Ty and Van. Because Van seems very dead set on helping Ty through this. And it's also interesting that she su- suggests to Ty, maybe we should talk to Lottie about this. Right. Ty says, absolutely not. You will not tell Lottie or a single other soul about this. So very interesting. I, I think that it's a, I like to continue uh, continuing to watch how Van and Lottie and kind of how Lottie is getting her followers, right? How Lottie is gaining her followers here in season two. Right. And we, but we also know that it's not going to be like this forever secret with Thaisa and that she has like some of these concerns and some of these darker sides of her. Cause in season one, you know, she confides in Shauna, she sleeps yeah. over with Shauna. So like Shauna is, you know, is aware of it. So as that continues to progress during Thaisa's teenage years, um, that's going to become like, that's going to become much more of a thing in the greater group too. You gotta, you gotta feel like. Yeah. So overall, I mean, such a good episode. Really good. The show. the show, you know, in the very first episode of Yellow Jackets, they promise cannibalism and then they make it through season one and they didn't really go there. Two episodes deep. We had an ear uh, which we were scandalized by. Yeah. And now we're picking away at the rest of the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a quick leap from an ear to a full body feast. And yet here we are. I loved it. I thought it was great. I really liked episode two. I think season two is off to a really strong start. I think it is too. I think they're firing all, on all cylinders. Like I said before, they're not, it seems like they're not afraid to go there. They know they have a season three that they're going to be able to do, uh, which gives me a lot of hope that we're going to get a lot in season two. Yep. Um, but of course, this is just the beginning of our post-show recaps coverage of Yellow Jackets for the week. I can't wait to break everything down with Marissa later this week. Uh, we're going to dive into Reddit theories. If you have theories, please, please, I, I, I strongly suggest you send them in. Postshowrecaps.com slash buzz, buzz, buzz is our feedback form. Uh, we love getting feedback we love if you think your theory is bonkers send it in because I want to read it um, of course if you want to subscribe to the podcast you could do so at posterrecaps.com slash yellow jackets and if you just want to see all the podcasting we're doing some of the top hits of what we're up to here posterrecaps.com slash subscribe very easy way to subscribe to everything we got Ted Lasso we got Succession all the big hits we're feasting um, here in the- <laughs> month of march yeah um and of course if you want ad free podcasts you can get those at patreon.com slash post recaps at any level you will get ad free podcasts join us in our patron discord we are the it is buzzing in there it is yellow jackets, yellow jackets discord it's popping off yes um josh what do you what else are, what else are you up to is it do you have a busy march no nothing really going on <laughs> <laughs> Nothing really happening here. No, you listed out a lot of the stuff that I've got going on. It's this, it's Succession, it's Ted Lasso, a bunch of other things going on as well. Covering Succession for the Hollywood Reporter, some Yellow Jackets coverage uh, for Vanity Fair as well. And let me just tease one other Yellow Jackets thing, Jess. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be, uh, it's possible that we might have a conversation with somebody here on the podcast pretty soon that people might want to tune into. So make sure you're subscribed to the Yellow Jackets podcast feed. 
So exciting. You can find me at the just Sterling on Twitter. Uh, I'm doing all the stuff as you you know, succession and yellow jackets is my bread and butter basically. Uh, So you could find me there talking about all of those things. And I think, I think that's everything. So uh, check out more coverage. Marissa and I do a deep dive. Josh and LT going to do a versus podcast talking about yellow jackets up against succession. Um, And like Josh said, maybe more to come. So until next time, buzz, buzz, buzz. Ah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.